has finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That really goes in that first three points. Manchester City is still alive here. Welcome one and all to the Bolt from the Blue podcast with me, aka Bolt from the Blue, and my two partners in crime. First of all, the producer of the amazing Man City Fan Chat channel on YouTube, the writer and broadcaster, Ray. How are you, Ray? Mike, I'm uh, very tired, actually, uh, from my long trip to Bournemouth yesterday. You're up at 4.30, you, you stroll in about half 10, 11 o'clock at night, but we've got three points. And right now, that's all that matters. Guys, we also have the king of the Kipact writer, City Matters Committee member and football financial expert, Colin Savage. Hello, Mr. Wooster. Where is Jeeves? Hello. Just to explain our host comments, we were trying to arrange a time for this and I needed an extra bit of time because I had to get some stuff urgently done. And Unfortunately, I transposed stuff to staff, so um, they thought I was looking for a new butler. <laughs> and of course, as you would expect, Mike here was on to that like a rocket. <laughs> you were. I, I, I must stress, I am a humble guy. I don't have any household help other than the uh, butler, the underbutler, two parlour maids and the gardener. I've got to add to that. My children do call me Alfred. <laughs> okay. For the people who don't watch Batman, I think he was a <laughs> Batman's butler. Uh, wash their clothes, take them to school, take them to sports and other activities and anything that needs doing, cooking for them, whatever needs doing, I do. You're hired. You can come and join my staff if you like. <laughs> Poor Colin Savage, he made one spelling mistake from stuff to staff, and so then we were all on to him about how many domestic servants he's got. But I can assure you, Colin does not have domestic staff. Anyway, here we are, and we're here with you again, our beloved listeners. We're here to dissect Bournemouth plus VAR1, Manchester City 3. Forgive me for that, but I'm very, very angry about this, guys. Anyway, we're going to start with Colin Savage. Now, Colin... The first 15 minutes of that game, we had a collective rush of blood to the head. What was going on, Colin? My overriding impression was there was a lot of money riding on a, a red card and some of the players were on a bonus if they achieved it. Certainly Carl Walker looked like he was. And he was certainly incredibly rash in those first few minutes. I mean, I can understand being pumped up, but that was like the old days, you know, the 70s, 60s, 70s, where you, you had to leave your mark on someone. And you certainly could argue he was lucky in this day and age to have stayed on the field. I think, ending up with the yellow card was probably about the right result but you also could have seen him sent off I think he should have got I think we'll talk about this perhaps a little bit more when we talk about the uh, VAR incident because it's uh, linked in some way but that first tackle was reckless I thought and worthy of a yellow card the one he did get booked for I thought was more at the careless end and probably not worth a yellow card in itself and I suspect he got that yellow card because the ref thought he should have given a yellow card in the first place and Edison we've seen him do this before thought he'd learnt his lesson I saw the ball come kind of flying towards the touchline. I thought, well, I can see Edison coming for this and then couldn't see him until he came in the picture at kind of the last minute. I thought, surely he's not he's not going for that now when he had absolutely no need to do that whatsoever. Ray, yeah. Edison and Kyle Walker have both shaved their heads. They both look like proper thugs. Have they got their own fight club going on, do you think? 
Well, they, they they could well do. Um, they, they do look like uh, bare knuckle fighters I, I at the moment. I love it. I love it. By the way, but look, I was I was at that game, so I will say before the games, things you notice. Carl Walker was pumped up before the game. He's always pumped up. Carl Walker. He came over to the fans because uh, we a uh, lot of the fans were on the right hand side. We're on his side of the. But he was there. He was as I said, pumped up. He came over to the fans. I mean, the other players they might raise their hand during the warm up and everything, but just before the game, Walker was there drinking a bit of water, spraying it in the air like he does. I missed uh, my action shot. Uh, I was trying to get that. Kyle Walker spitting the, the water, spraying it in the air. But he he acknowledged the fans and you could see, you felt the guy was up for this game. And that first tackle I, that he made was with the yellow card. I had my head in my hand. That deserved a yellow card. He didn't, and I said to chap next to me, he didn't get it because it was so early in the game. But that was a yellow card challenge. The second one, as Colin has said, it was totting up. I thought the second one deserved a yellow card as well. He left his foot in and he was lucky that he the thing is, it's a funny old thing. If he'd got a yellow card for the first tackle, would he have taken the risk of making a second? And would he have got a yellow card for the second if it would have meant a, a red card? I don't think so. So Ray, we really expect Walker to raise his sword in the air and say, are you not entertained? Yeah, well, I don't know why. Well, you know, he's not riding on horseback, you know, into battle, which, but you, but you knew he was not going to make that second tackle. He was not going to get there first. He was going to come through what may. You know you're going to lose, bit, but you're still going to go through. And it's same with Edison. When Edison came running, out I thought you're not going to make this I mean he was right underneath us I was right in the corner of the stand it was right underneath us we saw him rushing out tattooed down his neck you know it's like his veins were bulging he was not going to stop clean the guy out now I don't think that deserved a red card it was a bit reckless because he clocked the guy around his uh, midriff but I think it deserved the, the yellow which is what he got and I was thinking what are you guys doing and in one of my reviews I think at half time on my channel yesterday I said it was collective brain farts in that first half one of the things that contributed to that having watched the game was Bournemouth actually came out of the blocks. I don't mean the word aggressive in, in, in a nasty sense, but they were snapping into tackles, they were running around, uh, and I think we lost our heads a little bit. We matched them instead of playing our game. Well, I think Eddie Howe, after the game, they asked him in the press conference, I think, about the physicality, and he basically said, yeah, we were physical, because he, he was happy with the way they played, because he knows you can't match us for skill, so you've got to at least beat us on effort. Admit it, you were gratified, weren't you? You were gratified, and it brought back memories of my Mike Doyle and, and Dave Watson, you you loved it, didn't you? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Mike Doyles and the Dave Watsons of this world would have uh, retaliated in kind, but it was definitely Bournemouth came out pumped up, and I think that kind of translated to one or two of our players as well. Nathan Ake, he looks like Rude Hullet. He certainly looks like a young Rude Hullet, but that's maybe the reason why we didn't buy him, because it's not exactly Rude Hullet, is he? No, he isn't. I mean, and, and let's remember, because Ake got, got away with what should have been uh, a red card a few seasons ago, so I think we're probably about level on that one then, I, I, I suspect, but um, I don't know. Yeah, Ake, I don't know, never really convinced me. He's at the right level at Bournemouth. I mean, um, I've never been convinced he's worthy of playing at a higher level, particularly. I say that about Eddie Howe as well I don't think he's capable of managing at a higher level Ray come on you've got to admit it you were like one of the spectators in the Coliseum watching these guys Walker and Ederson oh this back to the 70s didn't you no, no I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a modern man Mike. I'm a modern man I, are, I'm living, there was a time and a place for that and that was in the 70s and 80s you can't, you just can't get away with stuff like that these days and you've got to cut your cloth accordingly to what the rules are of today and the rules 
can't you can't go around doing stuff like that. In the old days, what Walker did, yes, the fans are cheering it on, nodding their approval. Yesterday, we weren't. We were thinking, what an idiot, you know, because it wasn't idiotic. Two idiotic challenges. And what Edison did, you know, we were ro- ahead in our hands again collectively because in this day and age, you should not be doing that. You know, twenty or thirty years ago, yes, you can come out absolutely chop the attacker in half, and hopefully he gets injured or he's he's more concerned about his own welfare to continue the game in a in the right frame of mind. But these days, you can't do that. And, and uh, quite rightly, uh, in the end, they both got their yellow cards. It wasn't just that we had other brain farts, and I'm sure we'll come on to Otamendi's brain fart as well. My goodness, we do have some warriors <laughs> these days. And guys, uh, here's my question to Colin. What has happened to John Stones? Has he disappeared off the face of the earth? What's going on? Uh, well, the story is he's been injured. Has he had a, an abdominal issue or something? Or whether that's a diplomatic injury, I'm not sure. But the story is he will be back very soon. Let's let's hope so, anyway. After the international uh, but, break. And the story is Ben Mendy will be back very soon. So you can tell you that with as much of a pinch of salt as you like. But it is interesting. It's interesting to note that I think it's just the second time after a press conference, somebody's got injured by the, the day of the match. Oh, wasn't conspiracy Storm. theory. Conspiracy Storm's theory. Was, but Storm's, it, last weekend, he was. I thought was fit and then suddenly he's on he's not fit by the uh, game game day on friday gabby jesus as pep said was fit by sunday he's not fit i don't know what training they've done because he injured himself in training in between so i don't know what's happened in in the meantime you know did pep tell them who was playing on friday and gabby J- or saturday and gabby jesus threw a wobbler because he thought he deserved to start i don't know what's happening right well we're getting these sudden niggly injuries just before game day i just don't understand it colin given the number of backward diagonal passes that Zinchenko played to Laporte every time he got the ball, are you not absolutely gasping for Mendy who did 8 assists in 11 games before he got injured season 4 last are you not gasping for that guy to get back well, yeah, I think we'd all like to see a fully fit, firing on all cylinders, Ben Mendy, wouldn't we? Again, I think it was difficult. Sinchenko is a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde player in some ways. In terms of his defensive responsibilities, there's still something lacking. But as a midfielder, as an attacking midfielder, when we're in that situation and he's the fullback who comes into midfield because the ball's on the other side, he can do something with the ball. Oh, but come I think on, Bournemouth Colin, he keeps playing it back to Laporte, for goodness sake. But I think Bournemouth did make it difficult for, for that first hour. Bournemouth did make it difficult for yeah. us and I think it was Zinchenko and Walker were very restricted to what they could do in an attacking sense Ray Zinchenko can't beat him up. that's the problem isn't it no, I, I think he can but he's kind of caught be- between two stools he falls down a little bit because he is attacking minded but then he's also got to remember his defensive responsibilities and sometimes he will lose that ball uh, when he's looking for to take people on I think he can but if you played him in midfield I think he'd take people on more than he, he does now answering your question do you put to Colin I'm waiting for Mendy to come back I'm desperate for Mendy to come back because I think for all the good attacking play that Zinchenko does coming down the left and the nice triangles crosses putting the ball cutting the ball back uh, towards the penalty spot Mendy offers us something leagues apart in terms of the crosses uh, in terms of his marauding down that wing it, to me it, I'm just waiting for the day that we've got Kevin uh, De Bruyne on one side putting in these whipped crosses with that, that curl uh, curling away from the goalkeeper into the a dangerous area and once we get Mendy doing the same on the other side Colin just a quick question for you when you saw the lineup, did you think that was a little bit arrogant of Pep to go into a game like this without a proper defensive midfielder because we all saw how the game changed when Rodri came on in the second half Gundogan is not a blocker he's not a tackler neither is David Silva neither is Kevin Bruyne so you're not a little bit worried about that um 
Not particularly, no. I mean, if you look back to last season, the equivalent game, Bournemouth just parked the bus. I mean, I don't think yeah. they didn't even have a shot on target at, at their own ground, did they? So I could see from that point of view, obviously we got the three points, but Bournemouth made it very difficult for us. So I could see from that point of view why Pep might have thought, well, I'm going for someone a little bit more attack-minded. You know, we're not going to come under pressure that, that might need Rodri. It did make a big difference when Rodri came on. You can almost, the game almost turned at that point. I mean, the game was won at that point, as far as I could see. I don't think Gundogan had his finest game, but I don't think even Mendy would have got much joy in that game uh, yesterday. Uh, and I don't think Gundogan was ever going to get much joy either than the sort of game he plays. I think Bournemouth were just like, we talked about going back to the 60s, 70s, an old-fashioned team who ran around and hassled us and tackled and made life very difficult for us. And I don't think either, uh, and the way they set up, which was looked to me like a, a back three with two wing-backs, again, made it get very difficult for us to operate down the flanks where a lot of our threat comes from. So I, I don't think it was Gundogan's game, but I don't particularly blame Pep for um, starting him. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, actually. I've got to say, I, I agree that um, last season, Bournemouth didn't get a shot on target. We were, you know, I mean, even yesterday we had 70, I think 74% possession. So we had, obviously, we were going to have a bulk of the ball and Pep is looking to use Gundogan. Gundogan, Gundogan. 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 He was looking for him and David Silva to unlock the door, so to speak, rather than um, close the door behind them. Uh, and that's why we were focused on on, on uh, attack. And we saw, I think, in the first 10 minutes, second half, that we needed someone to with the, with a lock uh, uh, to, to actually, a big padlock to lock our back door because we were getting... Uh, attacked too easily and it, the threat was too great and that's why I think Rodri came on and he he bolted that door he put a few padlocks on no one was going to re- hardly ever after that breakthrough so I don't think it was um, Gundogan's fault I don't think it was his fault you know and, and people might criticise him for the big change after Rodri came on but Rodri was playing a different position to Ilke I thought Ilke was alright but it was difficult to break the bomb down I mean look in the first minute they did better than the whole of last game because he had a shot in the first minute in the first 10 minutes they had two shots on target although they were quite weak affairs um, but they were snappy they were physical trying their best to close us down I felt when I looked at that with the way they were set up it looked to me at once at one moment it was just like a 5-4-1 and their one quite often was very isolated and especially in the first half when we were on top their one disappeared so it was like 5-5 five, five, none uh, at one point 15 minutes in go he kind of summed up Kevin De Bruyne's game that where you, you couldn't fault him for effort but a lot of what he tried didn't come off and, the, and that shot was certainly one of them and I guess you could <laughs> say we were, a, we were a bit lucky for, for that first goal because it just fell nicely for Aguero but he was never going to say uh, no to a chance like that that was uh, an assist by KDB though wasn't it technically yeah. Colin well technically I guess it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. look I mean he, he had a, a fluff shot he had a poor game overall I think but he still uh, knocked his 50th assist in Premier League football in 123 games and the previous fastest to 50 was Mesut Ozil 141 games so right. yep. new record how many people have got 50 assists is that 36 people with 50 assists in the Premier League. Well, guys, um, Charlie Daniels basically got free of his man and uh, tried to whip in a cross and his, like, his leg just collapsed. What earth was going on there? I don't know. I said, as you said, there was no contact, was there? It wasn't. Dislocated kneecap, I think. He just seemed to twist and dislocate his kneecap, which was a shame. Uh, but when given his goal, not that you, not you like to see players injured, but given that goal he scored against us a couple of seasons ago, you're thinking, well, that's, you know, that's a bit of a relief. Well, I mean, I was on 
on that side uh, where Daniels was, and I'll just mention this, Kyle Walker was slow to come out, I think. I think that was the one. Um, and I thought maybe it's because he's got yellow. He wasn't focused sometimes. Um, and, you know, that's the only slight concern. He just wasn't focused enough uh, on the... And he was looking behind him when Daniels was coming forward to put that cross in. As soon as he put that cross in, and as I said, we were very close to the pitch uh, to grounds like Bournemouth, which holds just over, I think, 11,500 11, fans. And we're very, very close to the, the, the pitch. And so we weren't that far away from, from him. And as soon as he went down under no challenge, obviously that's a concern. The way he was hitting the ground and the way his leg was, it, it looked it looked ser- serious enough and he, he was not going to continue. And I think we ended up with six minutes of injury time, which that aforementioned Wilson used uh, to his advantage uh, with his goal. But So you knew Daniels was seriously, seriously hurt. Uh, and I, I think it's just been, it's, it's precautionary. You don't want some of those cloud incidents where we've seen players in, uh, injured and you've had two or three people on, or even four on a with a, a stretcher rather than what, uh, one of these uh, what look like a tarpaulin stretcher and they lift the player up and he falls off the other side uh, and then they, they, they get him back on There's, there is an incident you'll go and watch it on YouTube and they lift him up again and he falls off the other side Yeah, you have to be careful with it you know he was seriously hurt he, that's why he was down for such a long time with the medical staff you have to be so careful you could see them they were following a protocol even in the way they lifted him up off the ground all sick people had to rise at the same time because what you don't want obviously is two or three rising at a different time to everybody else and the guy will be on the floor again it's a delicate injury you know at the time you were thinking is it an ACL what is it it's certainly his, uh, it looked like his knee so we all, all agree we want to wish him a speedy recovery absolutely uh, Colin there was quite a, a bit of a time delay and so the, the numbers uh, regarding who scored when got confused a little bit for some people but here we go 43 minutes in technically goal Manchester City 2 Bournemouth nil. do you like that Colin David Silva played a beautiful ball to um, Raheem Sterling and it looked for a moment he was a bit close to the keeper but he absolutely just took that one touch and dropped it into the back of the net so it was an absolutely lovely goal yeah that second goal seemed to indicate we were getting very comfortable but of course didn't quite turn out that way most City fans were thinking we're 2-0 up but we're playing crap what did you think? I thought it was mixed uh, Colin mentioned Jekyll and Hyde and it was a Jekyll and Hyde performance you had moments of brilliance like the pass from uh, David Silva to Raheem Sterling to stab home took it very very well two moments of silliness where you know we mentioned the first goal where Kevin uh, had a, a, a shot uh, it was a <laughs> scuffed affair and Aguero poached in and scored a wonderful goal two moments of madness from Nicholas Otamendi chested the I've got to mention this he chested the ball down in the six yard box uh, once again you were holding uh, you, you know your hair uh, your head in your hands if you had any hair left after the first two yeah but yeah. so th- there was that so, so, some, some sublime players some nice touches nice play nice goal to some, quite frankly, ridiculousness. And I'm, but what encourages me is we will get better we'll get this at, the, at the level uh, that we should be uh, and that we can be. You know, uh, we, we've still got a lot of mistakes to iron out, but we're still, you know, in three games have scored, I think it's 10 goals. So that's what pleases me. We've still got this lots of good stuff in our locker. Once we pull it out, we, we will smash some teams this season. Um, you know, Watford were on the back end of a 6 0. Um, and I think we, we will hit another Premier League team for six or seven. Now, Colin Savage, this was interesting because, of course, Charlie Daniels went off and uh, Harry Wilson came on. Now, I was on Twitter at the time and a lot of people said, not just Liverpool fans, watch this guy for free free kicks. There can be no argument that he does have a particular skill set. 45 plus 2 on the clock. We conceded that free kick and Harry Wilson, that was unsavable, I think, Uh, Colin, wasn't it? Absolutely. I I mean, you've got to give credit. It was a cracking free kick. Uh, I don't think you could put any blame onto um, Aderson for that. It was 
was just rocket into the top corner. Brilliant. Well, I mean, you say that, Colin. I, I will. I will be. Oh, Ray, come <laughs> on. I, well, not a little. Okay. Look, when the, sh- the the shot was hit, we were at the side, so we couldn't. You know, you're focusing on the player, not the keeper, and it went right into that corner. But when you see Edison, when I saw it on on the replay on, on the coach on the way home, and I'm not saying he would have saved this because it was hit right in the corner. It was a beautiful free kick. He takes a half a pace to his right. He was expecting the ball to go the other way. Once your movement has gone one way, it's very hard to switch quickly and get the right purchase and the right spring and the right step to go the other way. So once it's in your mind, once the seeds have been sown in your mind that you're going to the right, that's where you're expecting it. It was only a, a small half pace, but I think what I asked myself, would that have made any difference? I honestly don't know if he just kept his weight in a more equilibrium. I, I, no. I still don't think, I, I take your point, but I still don't think he's getting that, even if he knows he's going to that corner. I, th- I just think he sold himself a little bit. Look, I also accept you've got to anticipate. Sometimes as a goalkeeper, I've seen it in tennis when I used to play tennis, sometimes you've got to anticipate what's going to happen and you've got to take that that risk and he, and I think he took that small risk. As I said, I don't know if he would have saved it because it was such a beautifully uh, struck free kick, but you know, that's one for the goalkeeping court. Uh, I honestly didn't see any reason why we should. Uh, at 2-0, that was we were in pretty much cruise control and I, I you know, if Harry Wilson hadn't scored, I think uh, we'd have cruised through the second half without too much of a of an issue uh, too many problems uh, you know for all their effort and they're huffing and puffing. Bournemouth didn't create that much in that first half, you know. Um, and if we can, if we can somehow uh, keep the ball in play and take dead ball situations out of football, City would be winning everything. We would be breaking records left, right, even more uh, than we're doing now. Because where are we letting goals in? It's from dead balls, generally dead ball situations. So I didn't expect any changes. And as I said, I, don't, I didn't see any reason. I didn't see the the potent threat uh, from from Bournemouth up to the uh, in the first half. I didn't see any need, although with the first 10 minutes of the second half you saw the need because that obviously the goal pumped Bournemouth up it renewed their uh, energy levels let's say and, and they were really said yesterday we were at the far end uh, so you can't see properly what's going on but they, they did look like they had some opportunities they did look like they had pressure they did look more dangerous and uh, more threatening they were just basically uh, waltzing through our uh, midfield because we didn't have that holding midfield Colin Savage I've got to bring you in here for a listener question now, this is controversial guys but I've got to read the question anyway Colin Savage here it is Kevin De Bruyne is a wonderful wonderful passer of the ball a wonderful striker of the ball in the right circumstances but he's a bollock midfielder he can't block he can't tackle he often loses possession that's extremely controversial but that was someone's opinion on Twitter it was not the only one what do you think about that Colin we're talking about Kevin De Bruyne not tacking positions when he's doing the functional stuff I don't think we've seen him anywhere close to actually what he was when he came back last season he's still for me he's still in second gear uh, and we've still got a lot more from him but we have seen him in the past I, I, I don't think he had his best game uh, a lot of the, a lot of his passing w- was off target and it has been so far this season but I think we've seen him in the past he's very tigerish in that midfield role he will put his foot in he will chase back he will win balls maybe you know if you're judging him on that performance yesterday you could say yeah he didn't have a he didn't for, by his standards he maybe didn't have the greatest game but we, we know what he can do we've seen it you know let, let's give him half a dozen games and see where we get to I don't think he has to prove anything in that particular respect to, to us same question to Ray Ray 
what do you think about Kevin De Bruyne's basic midfield play? Not the passes, not the strikes well, goal, but the basic you can't, midfield play. You can't ignore the other stuff. That, that's the issue. What I'm going to say is I don't mind a Kevin De Bruyne or Bruyne. Whichever, Kevin KDB. De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Let's, let's call him KDB. I don't mind a Kevin De Bruyne uh, display that's crap midfielder. I don't mind that. If, like last week, he sets up two, two goals, oh, yeah. this week he sets up a goal. So you've got to balance it. Um, yes, he was dispossessed in the first minute, which led to a, a weak shot from... Um uh, from uh, Bournemouth attacker. Yes, he was maybe not up to the pace of what you'd want from um, a, a midfielder, but he's an attacking midfielder. We look. It's, it's when we talk about the defenders as well, the the, the people like Cancelo uh, and Mendy. And, and even Zinchenko at times, we have these wide men, we have these players, we're set up to attack, we're set up to score goals. You know, sometimes we uh, accept people like Cancelo might not be the best defender in the world, but, oh my God, he's going to be a great attacker. Give him, like Colin says, half a dozen more games. Colin, um, tell me something. Why do I love Otamendi so much? I don't know why. It's, it's irrational. He's got a rick in him. But I, I don't know. These last few games remind me of the season before last. He is a bloodthirsty warrior. I, I just I can't find it within myself to criticise him that much. What do you think? Well, I agree. He's, he's a warrior, and that's what that's what City fans have always loved. I mean, you look at um, Richard Dunn. They never yeah. quite took to Sylvan Distan. who was more of a, a technician, if if you like. But we we, we loved Dunny, uh, despite all his own goals, his red cards. Uh, we loved him because he was a warrior, and he would throw his body in front of everything. And I think with Otamendi, it's the same, isn't it? He will give his all, and sometimes he will overgive, um, <laughs> if you can put it that way. But um, he, he's a warrior, and you know. If you get your, you know, your Didier Drogba type centre forwards, your Andy Carrolls, Otamendi will eat them up, eat them for breakfast. Oh, come on, Ray, give some love to Otamendi. Oh, look, you can't, look, you can't help but love him. Uh, you can't help but love him. You know, the tattoos, uh, the beard. The Sergio Aguero haircut. I'm not sure about that. A couple of seasons back, he scored a lot of headed goals. Um, and as Corinne said, he gives everything, you know, he, and that's what you want. You want a player like Dunny, uh, you know, uh, with, with a few faults, but a wholehearted defender. And I think Otamendi, he's cut some of the mistakes out, but he's still got uh, a rush of blood to the head occasionally uh, in his game. Um, but hey, look, he's getting the game time that he demanded last season. He could, if Vinny Company hadn't left us, Otamendi could, could have. So at least he's getting his game time and hopefully he'll settle in and uh, fingers crossed he'll start cutting out some of those ricks but still giving us um, 110% performances. Colin, if I, I, I would probably compare him a little bit more to Nigel De Jong but do you think that Otamendi by dyeing his hair blonde is trying to bask in the reflected glory of Sergio Aguero? <laughs> well, sometimes you, you look on the field and you, th you see Otamendi bring the ball out of defence and you think what the hell's Aguero doing there? Ray, on 57 yeah. minutes, Pep Guardiola made a change. He brought Gundogan off and replaced him with Rodri. Tell the guys what happened after that. After that, we showed up. We, at the back, generally, we were a lot more composed. Rodri kind of uh, took control over the, that midfield, I think. And as a defensive unit, we weren't pulled all over the shot. Yes, Bournemouth had, a, I think, a chance late on where Edison made a very good save. But generally, after that, it was like chalk and cheese. It was like uh, turning the pages of a book from the first 10 minutes of the second half. And and uh, we got back into uh, control mode. And obviously, after the third goal, we were in total control. And it was the, it was the end game, the last 15, 20 minutes of that game. 
was like what it should have been against Spurs. The reason Pep talked about Zinchenko getting cramped was because we had to keep giving too much in that game against Spurs. Whereas in this game, in the last 20 minutes, we were just strolling around, passing the ball around and, and keeping control of the game and keeping control of the tempo and keeping uh, uh, Bournemouth at bay. We were just happy to pass it around the back, pass it to the wing back uh, or the, the wide men and then just pass it back to the defenders. But Rodri made the difference in changing um, the control we had over that game. Colin Savage on the 60th minute. I'm not embarrassed to say that I was banging my fist off the table, off the television, off the wall. I because, suspect you were on, Michael. Be, be, because you, we had a very great episode on the Bolt from the Blue podcast that you gave us the title for. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, you called it The Blind Mariner. <laughs> and my goodness, guys, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but this looks like corruption. I mean, come on, Colin, tell me what happened. Well, I mean, it managed to eclipse the, uh, as Arthur Conan Doyle would have said, the strange case of Raheem Sterling's armpit. <laughs> I, I mean, Silva played the ball on the, he was he was in the area on the edge of the six-yard box, played the ball past Jefferson Lerma, I think it was. And Lerma kind of lazily stuck out a foot and, and stood on Silva's right foot as he was running through. Silva kind of took a step and then went flying. And it looked like, well, it was difficult to see from the side initially, but you could see from the replays that Lerma had stood on Silver's foot. Now, it's one of the, you know, the match of the day cliches that, you know, a Danny Murphyism, if you like, is that, oh, there was contact, therefore it was a foul. Now, um, for it to be a foul, if you read the actual laws of the game, unlike making it up off the top of your head, the laws of the game say to award a direct free kick, a player has to trip, push, impede, uh, an opposition player and there are various categories of that various levels of that and the lowest bar for a foul is the action has to be careless so if if it's deemed to be careless then it's a foul but no yellow card raising the bar up a bit the action has to be reckless and that you will get a yellow card. That's probably what Cal Walker should have got a yellow card for that first tackle. And then obviously there's the red card kind of limit, which is uh, excessive force or endangering the safety of an opponent. So if you look at that, if you look at that incident, was Lerma careless? Uh, well, yes, he was because he stuck his foot out um, and didn't think of the consequences. Was he reckless? Probably not. Yeah, you, can, you might be able to make a, a, a kind of 20% case that he was reckless in the way he put his foot out. But it certainly it certainly met the careless criterion. It, you know, it, it passed the careless barrier. Now, that is a foul. And a foul in the in the area is, is a penalty. So you're thinking, well, it'll go to VAR and we'll get it. And of course, we didn't get it. And well, of course, one of the criticisms of VAR compared to perhaps rugby or cricket is you can't hear the deliberations of the officials. So, so they're private. Whereas if you go to a rugby match, go to a cricket game, everyone can hear what the what, what they're talking about. It just staggered when that wasn't given as a penalty. And I suspect everyone, there are even neutrals, even most of the pundits are staggered that that wasn't given a penalty. And if that's not what VAR is for, then what the hell is it for? And, and, and the word coming back was it didn't meet the threshold. Yeah. for a clear and obvious error but if the referee had seen you know, it was a clear and obvious error the guy had stamped on Silver's foot yeah, how much more clear and obvious does it need to be that if the referee didn't make, didn't see that at the time? We fair enough. All right, you know he's a blind sod mariner, but if he hadn't seen that at the time, then VAR was there to say it was a foul. That was on our side of the pitch again. So you know we had a very good view of that. As soon as the the, the, the tackle in inverted commas came in, we knew it was a penalty. He you could see he either he had impeded Silver, he would either stood on his foot or tripped him up. Now that's what what we could see from not too 
too far away. The referee's got a better view. As soon as the referee did not give a penalty, I said that was not that wouldn't be overturned. As soon as he didn't give a I knew it was a penalty. And I said it's even more of a penalty than the Rodri one from last week. It, it looks even more of a penalty. This was even more obvious. Um, why would David Silva dive in the box when he's already passed the player and he's got a we're in a very attacking uh, position where he can put a cross or a shot in? Why would you do it? You know, you're not looking for a penalty. And he, irrespective of the fact that David Silver is not a diver, it was it was an obvious penalty. It was a clear and obvious mistake from the referee. But it was also clear that VAR would not overrule the referee. And I think that's one of the big issues with VAR. We, we talked about it last week. I did a, an interview with Colin earlier in the week. We talked about this. The referees do, the, the VAR officials do not want to overrule the referees on the pitch. Less less senior referees controlling VAR than the guys on the pitch, and they don't want to overrule them. And it just seems that's the way it's going to be. Uh, and I think we've had this with other sports where people are reluctant to overrule the man on the the umpire or the the referee on the pitch. They're reluctant to do it, even though they know it's a clear and obvious error. What is annoying me is their justification after the event. We've all seen it. Millions upon millions of people have seen these incidents. We saw another one with the Newcastle and the Harry Kane. We saw the ones in the Norwich game. We saw even in the Liverpool game. We've seen it and we've seen time and time again, the VAR officials do not want to overrule the, the referee. We've seen it time and time again. Ex-referees come out and support the decisions made. Look, that Norwich game, there was a stamp, an, ob- an obvious stamp, okay, by the, was it Godfrey? An obvious stamp. And one of the ex-referees, I forget who it was, you guys might remember who it was, has come out and said, I watched it, was it, uh, and, and the, the man was pulling his foot away. No, he wasn't. Yeah, you do not have you do not have to have played football at any level to know that the um, the defender Godfrey was put leaving his foot in on the def- uh, was it Mason Mount for time wasting. You don't need anything to that. The the, the, the non penalty where there was a kick on the knee. You don't need to have known anything about football to know that the, the guy got kicked on his knee. Was it Aspin Laqueta? And the referee, ex referee, comes out afterwards and says, "Well, I've watched it five times. I'm not so sure. My backside, you're not sure." All I know is that they're just protecting each other. I've said it before. I'll say it again. People don't want to criticise their colleagues, even if you're not in the industry anymore and you're a retired person. Peter Walton, was he on BT Sport? You might as well not have Peter Walton, you know? Send him to Liverpool. You might as well not have him there. What's Why are BT paying for a, for a, basically a guy who's going to say, you know, one plus one, and they say, well, Peter, one plus one, surely it must equal two. And Peter Walton will sit on the fence, well, on the fence and say, well, you know, I'm not so sure. The referee said it equals three and you know I'm not so sure maybe the referee's right maybe one plus one does it behave man behave God, we've got to close Ray down before he absolutely blood vessels but guys I can tell you this two minutes later Ray I can honestly tell you for the first time in my life I screamed I screamed because <laughs> did you see a spider Aguero Sergio Aguero the ball runs loose and he hammered it into the net. And I, my itchy little fingers, guys, couldn't get on Twitter fast enough to say, <laughs> up yours, VAR. And um, my goodness, you wouldn't have been wanting to be on my Twitter timeline, uh, Colin Savage. Any gift that I could um, dig out on corruption were up there. Got a lot of support <laughs> from, the, from the city faithful. What do you think about this one? Did you scream as I did when this injustice had been sort of equalised? What did you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you did. Because that, that, the way we're playing at 
at that point with Rodri on, we were starting to control the game. You knew that third goal was enough. And it seemed to happen out of nothing. Um, David Sober had the ball, uh, was trying to dribble his way through. And, and Sergio Aguero was like um, a seagull that pounces on someone eating an ice cream at a, in a, a kind of a seaside resort. You know, when you see them walking along, <laughs> eating their ice cream, and the seagull jumps down, you know, pounces. And, and Sergio wasn't like that, letting that. Uh, I think David Silva kind of ran in, into a little bit of trouble. Him, yeah. So the ball was there to be won. Uh, but Sergio pounced on it so like a seagull on an ice cream and it back of the net from what three four yards I don't know and then you knew the game was over so oh my gosh seagull on an ice cream I think we have the title for this pod <laughs> thank you so much Colin um Ray uh, um, yes what, one thing that was that made me laugh so much was I was watching it on the TV Eddie Howe scratching his chin decided to find the remedy and he brought on Jordan Ibe and I was thinking Jordan Ibe is that the guy that they said that was better than Sterling <laughs> yeah no no, he wasn't going to remedy anything with Jordan Ibe. I think Jordan Ibe's going to be gone. Ch- chatting with um, Sam from Back of the Net podcast, who's a, a big uh, Bournemouth fan during the week, and he he basically said he's still hoping Jordan Ibe comes through. But Bournemouth have made some very good. I think uh, Liverpool sacks. are still hoping for Ibe to come. Through. Well, no, because Liverpool got about eighteen million or whatever, selling him to Bournemouth. Bournemouth are thinking, you know, and Sam was saying he's probably he's still hopeful. But you can tell he's not hopeful that Jordan I will come through as a good uh, signing. He's not going to come through as a good signing. I've got to say, well, I can't say what I want to say because we're a family show. Uh, what the fans were singing after uh, Sergio scored. What were they singing, uh, Ray? You could well, bleep out the curse word. It, it was something to do with VAR. Uh, <laughs> okay. And it chant, I think. And one of my friends, I was trying to, well, I call, I call him I call him my friend, but I've forgotten his name, which is, I'm doing him with his, uh, his, Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, my friend Greg. Uh, I think on Carry on, Andy. I think on Twitter, he's Greg <laughs> Bertzky. He's this Polish guy. I think on Twitter he calls himself Greg Bertzky. Oh, and he was at him. He had, he had a real, I've got to mention him, he had a re- goes with his daughter. He had a real tough time getting to the game. I think he arrived, um, he came on the train, there was a problem with the trains um, down from Manchester. And he arrived at Bournemouth Station 10 to 2 for a 2 o'clock kick- kickoff. He'd already pre-booked a taxi, he ran to the stadium, he looked <laughs> tired when, when I saw him. And he said on the way back, back to Manchester, he had to go back to London to get a train. And uh, he saw, I think he got to Houston or whatever and he saw a lot of Spurs fans Spurs fans were going up north or whatever um, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that but I, I think we can say it, it was a, a paraphrase on uh, FC UK you know French Connection UK how they did it and Anagram, yeah. VAR so his t-shirt was uh, FC UK VAR and the Spurs fans, they were livid. They were spitting feathers about VAR and they want to buy that T-shirt. We are t-shirt. going to talk about that. Yes, they were asking him, where did you get that T-shirt? Because they wanted uh, their T-shirt. And I, I, to be honest, I, I would sell the Spurs fans a Karma T-shirt uh, rather than uh, anything to do with VAR. Karma because that's a sweeter uh, for City fans. Riyad Mahrez came and at that point I was down on my knees thinking, <laughs> what? how beautiful would it be? for a, a Mares woofter. But um, they seem to have figured him out, as a lot of teams um, have done, don't they, Colin? I um I thought Bernardo had had a, a quiet, industrious but quiet game. Again, I don't feel like Kevin De Bruyne. I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of him so far this season. So we've got all that to look forward to from both of them. Mares is another one who really hasn't sparkled yet this season. He, he's held onto the ball. He's gone back into his old habit, holding onto the ball a little bit too long, taking that touch. There were a couple of times when he could have passed the ball, could have uh, or could have had a shot. So yeah, he was a bit subdued, but he, he was actually I, I thought he was probably the 
right substitution because Bournemouth were, were kind of packing uh, packing the, the area a little bit. And, and he is, of course, a player that can let one fly from outside the area. So uh, I didn't have any problem with the substitution. I, I just thought, like, he's another one who is still not out of second gear yet this season. Just um, a quick uh, reference to what Ray was talking about a little bit earlier, guys. An stat for you, Sergio Aguero has now scored 400 goals for club and country, with 235 of those coming from Manchester City. About the 85th minute, I sent out a tweet. It's just so cruel, isn't it? The Manchester City keep ball, because around between 85 and 90, it was just... I, I felt sorry for Bournemouth. I mean, City were stroking it around, and it was it was, it was was sad for them to watch... Well, not that sad, but, you know, sad for them to watch them running around all over the place, trying to get hold of it, but they just couldn't, Ray. They could not get the ball. Yeah, they couldn't get the ball. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, when Rod- Rodri came on, that was the, the control back to City, and the last 15 minutes, in it was it was pretty warm at Bournemouth, but what, in mid to high 20s uh, Celsius, which is you know 26 is what about 77 Fahrenheit for our uh, wonderful American uh, listeners. Yeah, that's uh, midnight here in Seoul, South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> what 27 degrees, 26 yeah. degrees? Yeah. Oh, blimey, it's, it's really warm um, over there then. But it was it was a it was a hot day, a lot of uh, water uh, taken on board by the players and uh, other liquid refreshments. Uh, although I'm not sure what Walker was drinking for his the way he played with these tackles he might have been drinking something a bit too uh, Iron Brew fleshy. Iron Brew Ray. Iron, <laughs> Iron Brew. Brew maybe that's it but look no we got to what we the point in the game that we needed we, we got that two goal cushion we basically, as you say, we were passing the ball around at the back. Bournemouth players were just basically running from one, you know, trying to connect the dots, running from one place to the next, trying to get the ball. Uh, they knew the thing is, you could watch, you watched them, and they, it was like they knew they were not going to get anything, but they still had to put the effort in. They still had to be shown to put be putting the effort in. And Eddie Howe said, you know, he was pleased with the effort they put in. But that's all they, at that point, the last fifteen minutes, that's all they could do was just run around um, like headless chickens trying to get the ball, knowing like headless chickens they were not going to get the ball back uh, in, in all honesty I think they did have a, a chance in the dying minutes of the game where Edison came out and made another good save I think over the, overall I think he made five decent saves in that game um, so he, I think overall he had a good game apart from that uh, moment of uh, madness um, siding down their attacker in the first half uh, but yeah we controlled that, that game we controlled the ball uh, and we just eased uh, to a comfortable victory <laughs> Guys, guys we're, our team is getting very good looking now isn't oh. it I mean, I mean it's, it's almost like like the bolt from the blue podcast Michael, here. We've got, we've I was got... say, just like the fans. The, the team is now living up to the beautiful good looks of the fans. We've got Cancelo. We've got uh, Leroy Sane still. We've got Rodri. We've got David Silva. We're getting quite, quite good looking, Colin, don't you think? Uh, well, we've still got Otamendi. Yeah, but, well, no, that, that's a bit of rough, Otamendi. Anyway, guys, the game filtered out and that was that, but... It ended up, of course, 3-1. We matched Liverpool's result. We are ahead of them on goal scored and goal difference. They're two points ahead of us. But we're going to reel that in. You know we are, guys. But I think it's probably time that we comment on a couple of the other games. Let's let's talk a little bit about one or two of the other results. Colin Savage. I can't believe this. Steve Bruce, Newcastle. Losing yeah, to I watched that game. And I know Ray got, Ray got stuck in there because I saw all his tweets up there giving it back to them for the VAR stuff. Uh, Colin, what did you think? Well, uh, yeah, so I watched that game and, and you, you look at it on paper and you think that, that's a banker home result. And um, Newcastle got that goal 
And um, certainly the second half, it was just one-way traffic. And you're thinking, it seemed like Newcastle aren't going to hold out for 45 minutes against Spurs. But Spurs found it very, very difficult to break them down uh, and had very few clear chances. Uh, and good luck to them. I mean, um, the, thing I, the thing that interests me about Newcastle is... I think we all scoffed when we saw um, Steve Bruce as the new manager, but I like Steve Bruce. they've got some say, they've got some big guys up front, and Steve Bruce with his perhaps more basic approach to attacking with those big guys might actually get more out of them than the very much a very detailed, in-depth tactical approach adopted by Rafa Benitez. Ray, would it be well, would it be would it be fair to say that you took a particularly sadistic pleasure in that result? I want to see a sadistic pleasure. I think uh, Ray, you uh, you posted a tweet but, of you laughing, we all take laughing maniacally. Oh yeah, but look, I still think Newcastle will go down. I I, I don't see. I've not seen anything yet. Look, Steve Bruce. Um, no, he might be solid, but he's, he's he's old school. And I don't think old school is going to work. It might work. It might bug the trend. I don't think it's going to work. I think old school will work with what he's got. More. Maybe, maybe. Maybe that's the only school he's got because with what what uh, he, he's got in uh, at his disposal. But I've got to, I've got to give a big um, thumbs down to Harry Kane uh, at this point. Harry Kane, I've got to say this. Harry Kane, okay? I'm going to talk fantasy football for a minute. Harry Kane, he's got no record of scoring goals in August, okay? But... I put him in my team above Sergio Aguero. I backed Harry Kane and he bagged a couple of goals, lucky goals on the um, open match of the season. We come to this round of games. I've got Timu Puki in my side, who I am convinced will score against Chelsea. Uh, I actually thought Norwich might beat Chelsea, but I was convinced Timu Puki would play well. I've got Raheem Sterling in my team, but I wrote to Harry Kane. I wrote a sentence tweet, obviously ignored uh, in the masses of tweets he gets, and telling Harry Kane that I was backing him against Newcastle. I was keeping him in my team as captain, and I expect him to come up with the goods and he was rubbish he did nothing in that game so that's my that's my quick um, point against Harry Kane but it was a penalty in my opinion the defender was it Lascelles come he was... on Ray the guy just fell over he couldn't no. help himself well, no he was falling Colin over Colin Savage let's, come let's on go go back, go, Colin Savage the... help me out here well yeah I agree let's go back to the silver incident where we, we talked about what it says in the laws about the definition for a foul careless foul but no card reckless foul yellow card excessive force endangering the safety his opponent foul and red card yeah shut now, up Ray it didn't meet any of those criteria it wasn't careless he just this, slipped well, this is my, no this is my opinion completely accidental and there's no there is no no provision in the laws no. for that sort of thing to be a foul no I think this is my look about opinions guys no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm coming from the twilight zone today what I, this is my opinion the player slipped he was falling over okay that I don't doubt but I feel that once he knew he slipped Harry Kane's about to potentially get a shot off from about eight yards six yards whatever and the player just stuck his arm out uh, to bring Kane down that's my opinion and when he got up he was quite I thought I've only seen it once Ray the you fall. have to put your hands out to break your fall when you fall. no well you trust me you, if I fall down I break my fall by putting my hands down in front of my face okay and I put my roll my shoulder over I, I'm, I'm, I'm more if I'm falling down I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here okay I'm more fetal or my hands are in front of my face you are fetal very, very okay but what I'm not what I'm not is a, an Olympic diver or an Olympic swimmer diving into a pool, sticking my arm out. I think he deliberately knew he was in trouble, 
The only thing you can do, stick your arm out, bring Kane down. He got up sheepishly. I've only seen it once uh, on on uh, replay. He, I felt he got up sheepishly as if, you know, I'd, I've done something daft here and I've got away with it eventually. Had the referee made a, a clear and obvious error? No, he hadn't. Let's move on to something more interesting and more fun, guys. Manchester United lost again. <laughs> and now now we can get that, uh, that meme in of Ray laughing. Colin Savage, did you watch the highlight? Uh, I watched the highlight and um, I was actually watching um, Sheffield United Leicester. I thought that might be an interesting you were game. Watching Sheffield against Leicester, no, Colin. No, well, no, yeah, I then, well can, can, when it came to five minutes, the, the Sheffield United Leicester game, Leicester were, were going to win it. We it need looked, to pay you more the, money, Colin. Well, when it came to um, when it came to the last few minutes, United were still losing. I risked switching it on because typically when I switch a game on, United are losing, they will equalise or, or win. So I was resisting switching over to that game but I thought what could what could possibly go wrong and I switched over and within a minute of course Daniel James had equalised and then of course there was that amazing did you, did you, did you keep of, watching did you keep watching I, I thought well I'm going to keep watching and of course Crystal Palace got that winner uh, and, and in which David De Gea didn't exactly uh, cover earn earn his money so it was another very strange goal that went under his body through his arm or whatever so uh, obviously that, that 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 justified my decision then to switch over anyway guys so we talked about man united we talked about spurs uh, Colin Savage, I've been looking at all the games and we were talking about before the season started about this challenge that's going to come to Man City, not necessarily through Liverpool, but through the other teams. But apart from Liverpool, the other teams look a little bit anodyne, if, if, if that is the correct use of the word. What do you think? Crap's the right word, crap. Okay, yeah, th- that's that's, that's think, better. I think you've got to be careful because I always have this, I always have this belief that you don't really see a pattern, and you can see it from City. We're not firing on all cylinders until we're about six games into the season. You can't really see a pattern. I, I think um, Liverpool have done okay, and we know, but we know Liverpool are going to be our major challenges anyway. Arsenal have, have, have done okay. Leicester, uh, a few people tipping them for a top six spot possibly have, have done okay. I don't think you can. Uh, what Watford, I think, have been the big surprise, you know, considering where they where they were last season. But they do tend to go through spells of not winning games and. Yeah, it's been an interesting start to the season, but I say you can't really judge it until you're at least six games in. I will say about Watford, I'll comment on them because I've paid special interest to them because I, I, uh, I preview in the FA Cup final chat into a Watford fan uh, broadcaster. I looked at uh, Watford and you, they've, they're actually on a really, really poor run. Since they beat Wolves in the FA Cup semi-final, the remaining six league games, they lost four, won one, drew one. Then they got battered in the FA Cup final and then they've just lost the first three games this season, I think. So you look at their last what six seven ten games they've won one drawn one lost seven so they're on a really poor run of form yeah. if you look over the uh, two seasons and actually something i didn't mention about spurs which I, I put out this morning if you take the champions league out of the equation just look at spurs last league fixtures from let's say february onwards i mean some uh, some unkind people have gone a little bit forward from there but spurs have won six league games out of 17 and i don't think that's a very very good form and people have not uh, commented on this and if you actually look at the team Spurs have beaten yeah they're not the you know they're not the top competition let's let's be honest um, and they're beating let's say the poorer teams in the league I think the best team they've beaten in, I'm just looking at my numbers now 
They beat Newcastle last season, 14. They beat Leicester at home. Then they lost to Burnley, lost to Chelsea, drew with Arsenal, lost to Southampton, lost to Liverpool. Okay, they beat Palace and Huddersfield, but they were both poor teams last season. Lost to City, beat Brighton. Brighton were a poor team last season. And they also lost to West Ham at the end of last season, lost to Bournemouth, drew with Everton. So they're on a really, really poor run of form. And some, some people have said it's, they've won four games out of 15. I've been a bit more charitable and said six out of 17. They're not on a very good run of form. And, you know, how can... There's something going on as some people have said why you know, Trippier's left the club he, he, he murmured about something's going on in the background uh, Ericsson can't get a start he's not signing a contract Jan Vertonghen I think he's not signing a new contract he's not getting a start how you could leave your, these players on the bench I, I, I can't see I understand Ericsson was on the was on the bench against City what's going on at Spurs I think they should be actually more worried um, about their start to the season than anybody else I think if you look back at last season for Spurs the first 19 league games they got 45 points so that puts them on course for a 90-point season. Yeah. The second 19 games, they got 26 points, and that leaves them struggling to make um, top. Certainly struggling to make top six. Probably just trying to check where 52 points would have given them. Yeah, it would have been mid-table yeah. along with Leicester, West Ham. So you, there's definitely something not quite right there, and um, I, I think it's a big season for them because um, you know the fans have been quite patient. But if they don't win any silverware, if Pochettino you know doesn't get a medal around his neck like Sarri got last season, then he could start to look somewhere well, else. said, if we don't win a, a trophy this season, it will, the season will be a failure. I mean, he's spent his money now, so he, he can't turn around and obviously Antonio and Dembele for starters, a lot of money, 60, 62 million quid. Uh, they've spent over 100 million pounds, I think, uh, in, in the summer. So there's no question they've, they've had the money to spend. And this this is a make, I think it's a make or break season for them. I don't think yeah. they're going to stay. I think they're going to lose a few players and it could be, they won't lose the likes of Harry Kane, um, but they're going to, I think they could lose one or two important players uh, from them this season. And I'm just going to quickly mention across the other side of uh, North London, the Arsenal fans. They're up there with Liverpool fans to, with the levels of delusion. Oh, no, I, I will say about Liverpool, look, they, they were one stupid Barcelona performance away from winning nothing against the last season, even though they did really well in the league to, to finish uh, second. But Arsenal fans are so deluded. I remember when we beat them in the Carabao Cup final a couple of seasons ago. We beat them 3-0. The game was over after 60 minutes. The, the, the Wembley was um, probably a third empty after 60 minutes because because a lot of the Arsenal fans had just left. We're talking to some of them back in the, um, we are in a staying at the Novotel, talking to them uh, there, and they were still convinced they needed, it was just one or two players, and they'd be, they'd be back in the top four, back challenging. Now, this is their third season in the Europa League. Uh, I haven't seen anything so far this season to make me think that they're going to get any any better. They're not going to finish in the top four this season. The setup wasn't great. The system they used, the, 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 the personnel that were used, I just didn't think it was right uh, against Liverpool. And some Arsenal fans, they're coming out and saying, they were happy that it was only three three goals because last season they were was it four one uh, four nil down at half time or something they have you know I didn't see enough in that performance to convince me that they sorted out the problems in defence yes they bought uh, Nicholas uh, Pe- uh, Pepe spent what 70 million quid on him I think that 70 million quid would have been much uh, wiser to, spend, to be spent on two cracking centre backs Liverpool have shown them the blueprint address your major problems their major problem at the time was Simon Mignolet they've bought an expensive keeper who's shut up shop their other problems with having people like, uh, like this was it the second or third best uh, in his own mind centre back in the world uh, in Dejan Lovren uh, centre back uh, and he's not even the second or third uh, best person in, uh, <laughs> in, in a in a uh, in a championship he's not even I, the best drummer in the Beatles Ray. that's that's the that's the phrase I was looking for uh, but yeah it probably not it's probably not even the best defender in his own family and I think he's got sisters not brothers so anyway they addressed that with Van Dyke they spent big on the people they thought would make the difference and Arsenal I think and and look what Van Dyke has done to 
to Matip. Matip, who was, you know, even Liverpool fans themselves said he's not good enough. He's brought him on in leaps and bounds as well. With that calming influence, with that control that Van Dijk shown, Arsenal needed the same. They needed a top draw centre-back. If it cost them 50, 60 million quid, they should have gone out and spent that 50 or 60 million quid. That's where their problem is. They've not addressed it. They've thrown money at it, probably 10 or 15 years too late. They're throwing more and more money at the problem, but they're not, once again, addressing where they need to spend the money. They bought uh, another fancy down in Pepe. He'll score goals. He'll nice tricks and flicks. Emery won't play three of them up top at the same time. So I don't see the point. You, Arsenal, if they have the, the rest of the team right, they can play with just one up front. I think they've got problems and I think their fans have got problems that in with their delusion to think they're capable of challenging for the top four this Ladies season. I'll put it out there, my, my final point, Chelsea for top four. We've discussed Man City, we've talked about Liverpool, we've talked about Arsenal, we've talked about Tottenham. I think it would be remiss if we didn't talk about Chelsea. Over to Colin Savage before we finish off this podcast. Uh, Chelsea, yeah, it's a strange one, that. I mean, um, on the surface, you think Frank Lampard's got that job far too early. And, and of course, they've got a transfer ban. Uh, and they, they certainly... Um didn't look the part at, at United, but they played really well against Norwich. They came back from... Uh, oh, Colin Norwich. Oh, n- n- well, it's Norwich, but you still got to win the. You still got to win those games. Yeah, um, I, I, I still think it's a, a stage too early for for Lampard. They, they, you know, they haven't obviously they haven't been able to replace Hazard. I don't think um, Kovacic is a bad player. I think he'll do quite well if Lampard can can work out how to use Kante and Jorginho and get the best out of Jorginho and get Kante back to the full he was then again you know they stand a chance but it's that I, I think Giroud's not a bad striker but he's an impact player at kind of 65-70 minutes if you if you if you need a goal um, but um, Tammy Abraham certainly um, seems to have clicked into gear certainly on the evidence of this weekend's showing so um, uh, and, and Mason Mount certainly looks to have plenty of confidence but are these guys going to get you through um, uh, a season and, and a Champions League as well it's um, it's difficult to say but I, I just don't I, it's difficult to see who's going to take that four spot. Not because there's three good teams fighting for it, but because there's three actually poor, well, very average teams, one of whom is going to get it by default unless it's someone like Leicester. Probably proved best of the rest. I mean, Wolves have had a, a dodgy start. Uh, I think, uh, what have they got? Two or three points? Was it three draws? I thought Wolves would be the one, Wolves and Everton, I thought, initially at the start of the season. Wolves, Everton, Leicester were the ones who could step up uh, and challenge for a top six spot. And Watford last season, on, on the form of up to the FA Cup semi-final, should have been in seventh spot last season. I think they obviously we've seen they're dropping away. Uh, West Ham, I don't think I've, I've got enough about them to, to make that leap it was one of those three but look I, I think Leicester um, and Wolves can still sort themselves out should be knocking around with the Arsenals with the Manchester United's of this world I, I still think Chelsea will get fourth I think Lampard's got enough about him respect and stature at Chelsea that uh, he'll get enough out of the players he's got players to come back he's got Hudson Odoi another exciting talent he's got Loftus-Cheek to come back uh, get Canty sorted I think he's got enough players yes it's going to hurt them not having the ability to purchase players for the two transfer winners they might get lucky and the FIFA might reduce a uh, 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 banter with one uh, transfer window or caught for arbitration of spot um so losing Hazard was a big, big blow. Tammy Abrahams, look, he's going to give you what Giroud won't give you. He's got pace. He's going to get behind players. Um, and he looks like he's managed to get a little bit of um, holding the ball up, as Giroud would do, into his game. So I think he's he's, he's, he's got to be given the time. He's got to give him that opportunity. Um, and look, if he can keep taking his chances like he did at the weekend, then um, he's he's a definite starter uh, for me. And he's, he's now in my fantasy football team. We've not covered the big breaking news of the day. Okay. Um, 
I'm astounded, Mike. Okay, help us out here, Colin. We now have, as of 9am this morning, City, breaking news, yes, have announced I'm... we have a new official Southeast Asian blockchain-based gacha partner. I was out my bed running around the garden when I put some clothes on. <laughs> Edward was in a cold sweat over at Old Trafford because they have not got a blockchain base yeah, gacha partner gotcha. in Southeast Asia or anywhere else. We've got we you have... a gacha partner. Well, got... if, you, if you guys are confused about this, um, I'm so in... <laughs> I, I'm in South Korea. What this is is basically. It's kind of like a version of fantasy football with a little bit of fantasy uh, thrown in. And uh, it's an online gaming corporation that are launching this. And it looks pretty tasty. I think I'm going to get involved over here and uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, that that is breaking news from Colin Savage. Um, it's not quite on the level of the, the noodles and the various things that Manchester United <laughs> promote. But um, we're all excited over here in South Korea about, about it. But we'll let you know more, guys, as the news unfolds. We've been over here talking um, across the uh, across the world for more than two hours now. I have got a huge editing job to do. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mike. And just remember, this time next year, we could we, be millionaires. We could be millionaires. And we also have Daniel Levy lookalike Colin Savage. Thank you so much, Colin. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still a bit in shock from our new official <laughs> Southeast Asian blockchain. Yeah. Guys, let's not go into this any 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 further. Have one on us. Up the blues. Up the blues, guys. Thank you so much. See you next time. <laughs> It's about time that your mind took a holiday